Thanks to all of you for being with us. Our toll-free number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I got to tell you something. This is getting really, really bad. I don't know what that whispering thing that, that the cognitively weak Joe was doing in his press conference. I, I don't know. I mean, let me play. This is weird, bizarre. He's lashing out at people. He's so forgetful. He's got gaps in conversations that, you know, are beyond uncomfortable. Like at the G7, 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000. I mean, this is getting really creepy. And a part of it, I'm not going to lie, you know, and kind of making fun of it, sippy cup, President sippy cup, you know, that I, I, it's it's well worth talking about, but I mean now it gets scary when you think of the real ramifications and all of our enemies. They're all they're all seeing this, this bizarre behavior. You know, creepy Joe started trending on Twitter as a result of this this disastrous press conference yesterday, and you know this uh, announcement of a bipartisan group of senators have come to a tentative deal on an infrastructure bill. By the way, the Republicans are getting suckered, and I'll explain why in a minute. But, you know, it caused Joe Biden at the press conference when he he starts whispering, and it starts trending creepy Joe on Twitter. I mean, it was trending. Listen. Employers can't find workers. I said, yeah, pay them more. This is an employee's Employees bargaining chip now. What's happening? I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for child care. The bill on the environment. Why would I not be for it? Back up, you creep. Get away from me. It is insane. You know, uh, I assume cut two. Is that just the the last two weeks, J.C. Owen? All right. And now this is just the last two weeks. Now, again, I've, I've explained this to many of you. You know, here I call him President Sippy Cup. And, you know, Joe, Joe averages less than one public event a day. You know, Joe has now said how many times? Yeah, I'd like to take questions, but they yell at me and I get in trouble and everything. And I don't want to get in trouble. And, you know, I'm going to get yelled at. You're the president. It's 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 oh, it's beyond my comprehension. You know, now the question is, who knew what went about is this cognitive weakness of Joe? Because it seems to be accelerating and getting worse every day. This is Joe just the last two weeks his his blunders, his confusion, his mumbling and bumbling and 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 gaps of awkward, bizarre silence. Listen. I'm leaving out a lot of people here. I apologize. I'm going to get in trouble. But anyway, we'll get back to that. But um, uh, we, um, uh, you know, there's a lot that uh, that is, 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 is happening. Police Chief Murray of the Baltimore, uh, uh, excuse me, Police Chief Murray, Police Chief Murphy. Paul of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We hold these truths self-evident that all men and women, we haven't lived up to it completely, but we've always widened the arc of commitment and included more and more people. 
those who say the blood of the the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. While the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots, what's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Vladimir Putin laughed at the suggestion that you had called him a killer. Is that still your belief, sir, that he is a killer? <laughs> Answer the first question. <laughs> I'm laughing too. And Mayor, Daniel, and Mayor Daniela Levine Cava of Miami Dade. Now let's go to that. Let's go back to that killer question, and then you know, count with me. I'll I'll count very. I'll speak like Joe. I'll, I'll whisper like Joe did, when he was really creepy yesterday. All right, let's play that. Vladimir Putin laughed at the suggestion that you had called him a killer. Is that still your belief, sir, that he is a killer? <laughs> Answer the first question. <laughs> I'm laughing too. They actually, I. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, uh, Answer is, I believe he is in the past essentially acknowledged that he was, uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. This is scary. This is getting worse. You know why people in the media don't hit me on this? And by the way, people in the media hate me, which I'm perfectly happy with. You know, if they like me, I wouldn't be doing my job the way I look at it. Um, I am telling you this we, we might be hitting a point here if this continues where he's not going to be able to continue doing this job. Nobody else is going to tell you that, but if this, it seems to me, now we've played tapes of Joe in 2012 and 2016. He's not the same guy that he was then. And it's obvious. The problem, the biggest, the scariest part of this is that the world's you know, every evil actor, Putin, hostile regime, Chi, China, hostile regime, the Iranian mullahs, radical Islamic terrorist groups, Kim Jong-un, they, they're studying this guy. You know, it's, uh, what the hell is going on? I think Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who's taking care of both President Trump and and President Obama is right that they're, they're, we need a we need a test here. I'd like to see Joe Biden take a test. Now there are other issues here. Apparently, this was on Alabama.com that Biden confused the Tuskegee experiment with the Tuskegee Airmen. No, I mean if somebody makes an occasional blunder or mistake or gets confused, but it's every day with him. Anyway, you know, just before. He smeared, and by the way, people are pretty angry about this. Critics blasting. The UK Daily Mail had a piece on this today that had been branded a racist after claiming Latinx. He used that phrase, Americans are afraid of getting vaccination out of fear of deportation. He made that blunder in North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, speaking to a crowd made up of African Americans and Hispanic Americans, Latinos. You know, he was greeted with uh, shouts of Uncle Joe and we love you. And when he made his remarks, um, he then implied that Hispanic Americans were afraid of getting vaccinated because they they would fear deportation. 
It's awful hard as, as well to get Latinx with an X vaccinated. Well, that's kind of like a broad sweeping generalization. And we know what the media would say if it was Donald Trump that said it. But back to the Alabama.com story, because he mixed up the Tuskegee Airmen with victims of the Tuskegee experiment. He's drawing criticism for this. You know, of course, the Tuskegee Airmen, a heroic group of African-American World War II pilots, these unbelievable people. And he's confusing them with victims of what was the infamous Alabama syphilis study. And speaking of, you know, reluctance of COVID vaccines, Biden said it's harder to get African-Americans initially vaccinated because it, it, it used to be that they experimented on them, the Tuskegee Airmen and others. Now, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment involved withholding treatment from African-American men. This is repugnant. This is evil what happened. Infected with the disease so that they could be studied. That's evil. Study was exposed. It wasn't exposed until 1972. And the federal government paid out a lot of money in a settlement. I mean, it's unconscionable. The Tuskegee Airmen had nothing to do with that study. They were World War II heroes. But of course, Joe got it wrong. Uh, oh, get this. Now... Biden has nominated another Hunter-connected lawyer to the DOJ. The Washington Examiner has this story. For the second time, he selected a nominee with ties to zero-experience Hunter for a top post at the Justice Department, picking a former longtime partner at the law firm where his son worked for years and which was involved in helping zero-experience Hunter in his business dealings with Burisma. Wow. He announced uh, today. Well, why announce it on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? Let's do it late on a Friday. Anyway, six months ago, on the same day he was inaugurated, he tapped this guy, Nicholas McQuaid. He's a former close associate of, of the attorney representing Hunter in his current legal woes. Wow, I wonder what would happen. What would the media do if Trump did that? Now, there's something else that we better pay very close attention to. When I've gone over, I've made all the comparisons. Jim Crow 2.0. How many times has Joe now gone out there and said Georgia's new voting law is Jim Crow 2.0? A lot. Well, it turns out when you compare the new voting law of Georgia, which allows 17 days of in-person early voting, Joe's state of Delaware offers zero days in person early voting georgia has drop boxes in every precinct there's not a single drop box in delaware not one in georgia you you don't need an excuse to vote by mail or absentee you do need that in delaware and both states require voter id now now with the announcement today that the biden justice department they, they're now going to sue Georgia. Why aren't they suing Delaware? Joe's state, which is far more restrictive. He never lifted a, a finger to help accessibility to voting in his home state of, of Delaware. A guy who's practically the former Klansman that filibustered the civil rights movement, right-hand man in the Senate, the guy that, you know, that didn't want schools integrated and busing. He wanted stopped, and he partnered with the former Klansman. He, quote, he didn't want public schools becoming racial jungles. 
Same guy that said, we'll put you all back in chains. Wow. Pretty despicable. What a, what is even a low for Joe? Anyway, justthenews.com, the Justice Department announcing this Friday that they're filing lawsuit over Georgia's laws. Why don't they file a suit over Joe's state of Delaware? Our complaint alleges that recent changes to Georgia's election laws were enacted with the purpose of denying or abridging the right of black Georgians to vote on account of their race or color. The Attorney General Merrick Garland said this. In March of 2021, Georgia's legislature passed SB 202. Many of that law's provisions make it harder for people to vote. The complaint alleges that the state enacted those restrictions with the purpose of denying or abridging the right to vote on account of race or color. That is an outright lie. Georgia's law is way more uh, accessible than the restrictive laws in Delaware. This is outrageous. Rolling along on a Friday, a lot of your calls coming in today, 800-941-SEAN, as we go through the day's news. Um, I'm going to tell you why Republicans, now there is some good news. The good news is Biden's big infrastructure bipartisan deal is is apparently falling apart already that they announced yesterday. So that's good news. But Republicans, there's a trap that's being set here. And you, I would think that they'd be a little smarter and more strategic and play chess instead of playing checkers. But I'll get to that and explain that in a minute. Now, we have other a, a key measure of inflation in this country. It went up sharply again in May, showing prices rising at the fastest annual pace since 2008. Now, what does that mean? That means we, you, the American people, you can expect to pay more for everything you buy. I've been telling you this is happening. And every service you use, you're going to pay more, especially over the summer. Uh, The so-called PCE price index, prices index, 0.4%. Well, that's just for May. That's the third straight big increase. That's a big increase. And over, you know, just this short time Biden's in office, up like over 3%. That's the biggest gain since 2008, and that's at a time when oil prices were at a record $150 a barrel. Oh, yeah, we gave up energy independence thanks to Joe, too, giving in to New Green Deal radical socialism. Anyway, the rate of PCE inflation is now almost double the Federal Reserve's 2% goal. I mean, a separate measure of inflation that strips out food and energy, that's also at the highest level since 1992. So any way you slice it, none of it's good news. Now, I'm going to explain when we come back how Republicans, I think it'd be so stupid, they're, they're literally falling into the trap with this ridiculous infrastructure deal, and they need to not fall into this trap. We also have Kamala Harris at the border. We'll get to that uh, today in the course of the program. Um, is Dr. Fauci in legal jeopardy? Greg Jarrett thinks he is. We'll also update you on Kamala's trip to the border today and much more. We'll get a lot of calls in 800-941-SEAN. But I don't know about you. Are you glad it's Friday? So glad it's Friday. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, anyway, um... Let me go over this infrastructure deal. Now, first, let me give you the good news. The good news, Senate Republicans 
are now walking away from the stupid deal that they announced yesterday over its expense. You know, as Biden now is tying the measure to a separate reconciliation tactic full of far left items. And, and this in part, I'll explain reconciliation in a minute. This in part is where the trap has been set. And now, rightly, some GOP senators have figured out and gotten concerned that they may get tied to the larger reconciliation package if they give the so-called bipartisan group uh, political cover by joining them to pass the bipartisan infrastructure proposal. I mean, how they didn't know this was a trap from the get-go, I don't know. This was what infuriates me about Republicans. They could be weak and and just they're, they're spineless, they're visionless. It's like infuriating. Democrats stay united under all circumstances, every time. Anyway, Mitch McConnell said that Biden's strategy is to pass a bipartisan, quote, infrastructure bill, tie it to a reconciliation package, I'll get to that in a minute, which is filibuster immune, and and that's the poison pill. That, that's our red line. Now, he, now in this case... And I, I'll be the first to tell you when I think Mitch McConnell's wrong, he's actually right here. But this was, unfortunately, this was the trap that was set from the get-go. You know, and, and this is why I was saying there was a, a New York Post article about this. It was really well done. I think it was Brian, um, was it Rydell? Manhattan Institute, smart guy, is in the New York Post today. And it was painful to watch. I mean, it was the usual rhino suspects you know the Mitt Romneys of the world uh, you know just the typical group of Republicans we know who they are anyway so Republicans now you know deluded themselves these moderates did these rhinos did I guess they want to be praised by the likes of the New York Times as being bipartisan you can't be bipartisan with people that hate you it's 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 really hard for people to recognize that they get hated in life but they do Anyway, as part of the agreement, Republicans stripped out the non-infrastructure request and they thought they were making a deal uh, like a trillion dollars in corporate subsidies, 400 billion long term care. Remember, everything became infrastructure in this this six million dollar wasteful monstrosity following the, the blue state bailout bill. Okay, now, Democrats, this is where the trap is. Democrats are still allowed to pass at least one more reconciliation bill this year. What is a reconciliation bill? This is how Obamacare came into being. If you go back, remember Scott Brown was elected. He was the vote that was going to stop Obamacare. No, they used the reconciliation process to get it done, which you never do on major legislation. Now they'll do it on anything. And remember, everything by the Democrats is being defined as infrastructure, child care, infrastructure, uh, daycare infrastructure, college infrastructure, everything's infrastructure except, you know, roads, bridges, tunnels, like real infrastructure. Anyway, so there's nothing to stop the Senate Democrats. They're going to use the reconciliation process. They got one shot at it. Now, they've already gone to the Senate parliamentarian. I know this is getting a little bit in the weeds. Stick with me here. This is important. They And the Senate parliamentarian, because they used reconciliation once they would have to put the 1.9 billion and put it all together it, it's it, it becomes a procedural nightmare for the democrats to pull that part off which is why they wanted the cover of appearing bipartisan that some rhino republicans were too dumb to and willing to give them this was never a good idea 
Because remember, they have one more shot. You can't, in other words, with a reconciliation, with that process, you cannot filibuster that bill. And therefore, it, it can pass the Senate with the 50 Democratic votes and, and Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker. There's nothing to stop Democrats now from passing the rest of their $4 trillion infrastructure package themselves because they will use reconciliation. They've told us they're going to use reconciliation. So you'd have Republicans providing cover for the first $580 billion, even agreeing to new tax revenue, and then all the other taxes and extraneous spending that Republicans work to strip from the package. That's still going to be passed. Democrats aren't losing anything. They gain nothing in this negotiation, not a thing, because they're going to do it anyway. And that's where the trap was set. And, and Democrats, Biden, they're bragging about the bait and switch. Now, I, I, look, I'm just a humble little talk show host. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been doing this 33 years. I'm a, I know, this is my passion. I love politics. But to not know this and see this as clear as day scares me. I mean, it's really beyond the pale. You know, they, and, and then watching the Democrats, they don't even get it done. And they're already bragging about it. That's how dumb they are. And then Nancy Pelosi saying she's not going to take up the Senate's bipartisan infrastructure agreement because it's not radical enough. This was all a big trap that was set by the Democrats against the Republicans. On an interesting side note to this, there's a good piece on Breitbart today how Nancy Pelosi, it, as of yesterday, was suggesting she's blowing up the entire infrastructure bill if the Senate does not also do reconciliation. Why? Because Nancy Pelosi's power is contingent on one thing, and that is that she appease the radical squad that really runs the House. That's why I say she's speaker in name only. It's really Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez and a Congresswoman Tlaib and Omar, the whole gang, the, what do they call it, the squad, the whole squad. So she is trying to, you know, now these, these radical new Green Deal socialists that are in charge, you know, they're, they're screaming bloody murder because they want their new Green Deal. And they're, they're not going to take anything less than that. And if Nancy wants to remain speaker, she has to do their bidding. And that's exactly what's going on. Therefore, she said there won't be an infrastructure bill unless they get the entire package, meaning the, through reconciliation in the Senate. So, you know, her exact words were there won't be an infrastructure bill unless we have a reconciliation bill, plain and simple. There won't be an infrastructure bill unless we have a reconciliation bill by the U.S. Senate. And she said this with her remarks garnering approval from the leader of the squad, the real Speaker of the House. That's Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And then, then she said, let me be really clear on this. We will not take up a bill in the House until the Senate passes the bipartisan bill and the reconciliation bill. In other words, until the Senate gets every darn thing they want, she's not even going to take the bill up. And then you tell me who's controlling the show. And Chuck Schumer, he's got his own fear of the squad. He's scared to death that Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez is going to primary him, which, by the way, I think she'd have a good shot of beating him. 
a really good shot. She backed an obscure candidate for mayor in New York who, who had nothing in the polls, I think ended up, well, what's the latest? Come Maya, what's her name? Maya, I think. So, I forgot her last name. A real radical, like wants to get rid of police altogether. And I, I think she came in second based on the numbers. We won't know who won that race for weeks and weeks. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. We know Curtis Sliwa, who I'm supporting for mayor, um, that he won hands down, as I predicted he would. Uh, but it's going to be an uphill fight. And we were talking about it the other day. It's just New York City where Democrats outnumber Republicans nine to one. It's just uh, now it's a math equation. And all the people that have left New York City are the people that likely would have voted Republican. It's not good. Now, Biden is actually urging business to inflate their wages. This is another part. You know, look, we're now heading into a period where the agenda of Biden and the, the, the squad, et cetera, is in real jeopardy. Now, for this to work, if Republicans in the Senate just stay united, all 50 of them, the problem is now we have to include Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney and Ben Sass, the jackass. I mean, it's like we have all these weak Republicans. They could stop all of this if they would just hold the line. But I, 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 I all right. They did it this week as it relates to, uh, you know, they prevented this this power grab SR1. Are they going to do it with the legislative filibuster? Are they going to do it with D.C. statehood and Puerto Rico statehood? Are they going to do it with packing the courts? Because the Democrats, they want all of this power and they want to lock it in in perpetuity. You know, so now Biden is arguing that if businesses are having, this is when he did his little whisper thing, having a hard time finding people to work, the answer is pay them more. Oh, okay. How much can you pay? Let's be real here. The problem is, and study after study has shown this, that you increase the minimum wage and guess what? Working opportunities cease. You take existing employees and you put more work on their shoulders. That's what happens. And that means, you know, kids in school, like it was the best thing that ever happened to me, washing dishes every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night when I was 12 years old, when I was a cook at 13, when I was a busboy through the rest of my teen years and a waiter and a bartender. It was the best thing that ever happened. Although when I was a bartender, it wasn't exactly the best years of my life in terms of my behavior, but I changed, I found Jesus, and I want to be a better person. Um, but, you know, it, it was good in as much as I learned how to work, and I mostly stayed out of trouble, not completely. The bar wasn't the best environment for that. But, you know, it kept me out of trouble. And it kept money in my pocket. You know, my father used to scream at me. He was pissed all the time. You use this house as a flop house. And every night I'd come home with big wads of cash getting paid in tips, et cetera. My dad would steal at least 60, 70% of it. I'm like, what did you do with my money? He goes, I put it in the bank. And it ended up being money that I spent you know, for college, when I went to college, paid every penny myself. Uh, that's, that's why I ran out of money. I ran out of t money to pay for college. Uh, Kamala Harris was greeted, by the way, with Trump one signs. I don't know why it, that just made me laugh. Did you see that, Linda? It just cracked me up. I love it. I you know, it just it. pisses people off. I mean, this is outrageous. These people. By the way, no credible conservative is saying Donald Trump is getting in the White House in August. Just let's set the record straight. I, I know people read this stuff online. I get it. 
There's no constitutional path. There's no appetite by any court. There's no way the Democrats are ever. It's not happening. I, I don't like when people give other people false hope. We don't do that. We just tell you the truth. Maybe sometimes you don't want to hear it, but I'm just telling you what the truth is. Anyway, so she goes down to the border. We'll have uh, Mark Morgan on later. He's the former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Control. And it was a, all this was was a, a photo op. This wasn't a real meeting. And Kamala Harris, she did nothing of substance here. You know, it's, it's, it was basically just a waste of time, you know, visiting a spot hundreds of miles away from where the actual border crisis is. I mean, a lot of good that is. And the only reason she went, I think the word is troll, isn't it? Donald Trump trolled her by saying he's going first. And she had to say, I'm going, I'm going after 93 days. I'm finally going to go. Pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah. What's it? Well, how do you pronounce Maya's last name? Is it what? Willie Wiley? I believe it's Maya Wiley. I always like to pronounce people's names the right way and be respectful. Anyway, um, she did way beyond. I guess it was Eric Adams got 31 percent of the vote counted so far. And she has 22 percent before the endorsement of Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. What was she at? Like one percent, two percent. It was it was low, right? Yeah. Are you are you are you in the hello earth? I had window. a mouthful of a rice cake and I couldn't answer you. I apologize. Okay. How do you eat a rice cake? It has no taste. Well, it's like it, it's a nothing thing. It's nothing. It tricks eat. you into thinking that you're having a snack. So oh, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm having a snack. Your mind into thinking you're that you're eating when you're not eating. Right. Exactly oh right. Gosh. It works wonders. You're nutty. You and food. It was right after I had okay. my avocado shake. Okay. Bright green. Linda drinks these disgusting green shakes, these disgusting <laughs> orange shakes. I mean, she won't take her kid to get a happy meal at McDonald's because she's she's a, a health nut. Every kid wants a happy meal to make them happy. And this poor kid has been denied a happy meal. And she air fries her French fries um, because she doesn't want to put any oil in her in her son's body. I'm like, it's five years old. He's a normal kid. I guarantee you when Uncle Sean gets the opportunity and it'll come and I get him a Happy Meal, he's going to like McDonald's French fries better than your air fried French fries. I guarantee it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that right after you do your finger painting. Oh, good grief. Seriously? <laughs> you say, I, I, uh, we have been spending a lot of times now, uh, a lot of time on this program pointing out something that was very, very obvious in the beginning. When, when Senator Tom Cotton, I think he was the first person that I heard that talked about the Wuhan virology lab and the origins of the coronavirus, all he did was ask questions. And, and he was excoriated by the mob, by the media. And then Trump said it. And it was, no, this is a debunked conspiracy theory. It wasn't just a conspiracy theory. It was a debunked conspiracy theory. The same mob in the media that uh, actually peddles in conspiracy theories and lies and a political agenda every single day of the week. All right. So now we're getting lectures from them. Uh, pretty much they're guilty of the, the very thing they accuse others of. Now, we knew at the time that the Wuhan Virology Lab uh, dealt with coronaviruses. We knew they were involved with gain-of-function research. 
Uh, we knew all of that. So it kind of made sense right from the get-go. But no, 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 this, this came from a bat in a wet market. But now we have a letter, uh, that, an email that, that Anthony Fauci, flip-flop Fauci got January 31st of 2020. Happened to be the exact same day Donald Trump implemented that xenophobic hysterical travel ban, as Joe called it, 10 days after the first identified case of coronavirus. In the email to Fauci, it said that they had spotted a particular genome in COVID-19 that indicated that the virus, that that gain-of-function work had been done on the virus. He was told that January 31st, 2020. Then the flurry of emails about the monies that the NIH had had granted this Wuhan virology lab. Why, why our tax dollars are going to China is insane. Anyway, long story short, but Fauci was clearly nervous in these emails. We've read them. I won't bore you with reading them again. But it was clearly nervous that, in fact, this was gain of function. And then he went to Congress, and as Rand Paul said, that Dr. Fauci lied. Now, in the case of Roger Stone, Roger Stone lied, quote, to Congress. He got, you know, nearly 30 guys, uh, pre-dawn raid, guns drawn, tactical gear, CNN cameras for a process crime. And they wanted to put him in jail for the rest of his life. It was insane. But we don't have equal justice or application of our laws in this country anymore. Isn't that a sad thing to say? It's sad, but it's true, but it's sad. Now, with all of this now in place, now we get to a legal question. And Greg Jarrett has been laying out some pretty compelling columns uh, and analysis on his new podcast called The Brief about COVID and China and Dr. Fauci and what he calls a tangled web of deceit and how it just got bigger. Uh, Greg Jarrett, let's talk about the legal aspects involving this case well as i say in my most recent column the web of deceit by anthony fauci is growing more tangled you know it's it's not just that it appears he lied in a senate hearing last month for which he should be criminally investigated but sean now it looks like he lied a year ago to a house committee when he was asked why the White House had ordered him to stop funding this Wuhan lab. And Fauci said, uh, gosh, golly gee, I don't know why they uh, canceled the grant of money uh, that was uh, being funneled to the Wuhan lab. He did know. There's a new book out by two Washington Post journalists. They recite specific conversations that Fauci had with the White House with Health and Human Services, and with a longtime friend. And these, in some cases, these are verbatim conversations, which suggest perhaps at least one or more were actually recorded. And, and it shows that Fauci knew exactly why, because Trump was irate when he found out that American taxpayer dollars were being sent to a Wuhan lab that was doing dangerous coronavirus experiments from which... Uh, COVID-19 may have escaped, the pandemic ensued. Uh, Trump ordered an immediate halt to it. And, of course, Fauci resisted. He thinks gain-of-function hazardous research is wonderful stuff. He's on record saying that. But, but let, me, let me add emphasis to that. He said in 2012, even if gain-of-function 
research results in a worldwide pandemic, he still supports it. I mean, that is, that is breathtaking to me. Well, you've got to be crazy to believe that. This is the problem with some of these pinhead scientists. They don't ever look at the big picture. They just look at their narrow little area of interest, infectious diseases for Fauci. And he doesn't think about the consequences. Who thought it was a good idea to send money to China? Moreover, who thought it was a good idea in Fauci's group at the NIH, including Fauci, to send money to a lab in Wuhan that is infamous for its shoddy safety protocols? Uh, I mean, that place apparently leaks like a sieve. And that may have been how the pandemic originated. And Anthony Fauci tells this House committee, Gee, I don't know anything about why they canceled. He knew exactly why Trump canceled the grant of money. And, and, uh, and, and this so is that important constitutes here. That, that is, this was a presidential directive by, the, right. by Donald Trump in April of 2020 to cancel the research grant going, being, money's being funneled to the Wuhan Virology Lab, and, right. and he resisted it, and he only did it because the president demanded he do it. Right. He, the general counsel at HHS, got on the phone with Fauci and, and said, this is a direct order from the president. And at that point in time, uh, Fauci, as well as Francis Collins, who is the head of NIH, relented, and they canceled the money. But then Fauci appears before the committee and says, yeah, I don't know anything about this. Now, that strikes me as a lie on top of a Senate lie. And both are crimes called perjury, 18 U.S.C. 1621. At the very least, Fauci's statements appear deceptive by design. So they constitute a different but comparable crime known as making a false or misleading statement to Congress, 18 U.S.C. 1001. Why well, Greg shows Mar- off? I mean, he just, he just, USC, uh, 18 U.S.C. 1621, 18 U.S.C. 1001, which, by the way, just means you're a genius, but go ahead. I'm just, I got to take note of the fact that you know the exact law the, and, and what code it's under, but go ahead. It's, it's impressive. Fauci, here he is. It, it appears to me I'm absolutely convinced he deceived, misled, misdirected two legitimate congressional inquiries into a deadly contagion that infected 180 million people worldwide, caused close to 4 million deaths. Uh, and, and the fact is that Fauci had a motive to conceal the information he had, to lie to these congressional committees. He was trying to uh, conceal incriminating evidence of his own possible involvement in the spread of this virus that ravaged the world. He didn't want to be implicated. Um, You know, we don't know whether it was a virus hatched in a lab that caused this pandemic, but it is gaining currency. Why? Because there's no empirical evidence that this thing happened in nature. Thousands of tests have been conducted. They have yet to find an infected bat population or an animal host, as they have in previous pandemics. They've always found it very, very quickly. It's been 16 months. They haven't found it, which suggests this thing was hatched in a lab. It escaped. 
And Fauci is arguably complicit in the pandemic and the deaths, uh, the economic destruction, uh, be- because it looks like he was helping to fund these dangerous right. experiments. Counselor, Greg Jarrett, you make a compelling case. Here's Thanks. our problem, isn't it? That we don't have equal justice under the law in the United States anymore. No. We don't have e- equal application of our laws. By the way, where, where's Mr. Durham? Is, anyone, is there any Durham sighting by anybody anywhere? I mean, He's we still in some don't legal have... black hole somewhere. Yeah, okay. Well, also the Horowitz report, they, they made referrals for high-ranking members of the FBI. Uh, they didn't get pre-dawn raids. Guns drawn, CNN cameras, nothing happened at all. Right. And, and it just makes, you know, I, it's the saddest thing to me that I'm saying about our country, which is, which is based on the Constitution. The Constitution is our foundation for the rule of law. And those laws are not applied equally. Just like, you know, we're watching Joe Biden as president, the cognitive mess that he is, Ignore laws that he doesn't like. He's not enforcing uh, the laws at our at our southern border. He's, right. uh, he takes it beyond that. He's aiding and abetting and facilitating law breaking. Nobody cares. Yeah, it, you know it, the tragedy of all of this is that the Department of Justice and other law enforcement agencies have not only been weaponized, as you've described it, but they've been politicized. Uh, instead of launching an investigation of Fauci and whether he lied about a pandemic and whether he was complicit in the pandemic, uh, what's Merrick Garland, the attorney general, doing? He is filing, and he filed it today, a frivolous, meritless lawsuit uh, against the state of Georgia over their new voting law that mimics the law in 36 other states, including blue states. Now, why did he do that? He did it because, you know, Joe Biden has been railing that Georgia's uh, voter law is Jim Crow resurrected. Uh, so, so Merrick Garland is nothing but a political partisan pawn of the Biden White House. Well, I mean, that was obvious because the Delaware voting laws are far more restrictive than the new voting law in Georgia. That's right. And it's very obvious. He's not going after Delaware. And and I think so, some of the most accessible voting in the country is in the state of Georgia. And that means it's only a political move by now. We have a, a politically motivated activist as attorney general of the United States. And you know what? That, that's extraordinarily dangerous, too. Why wouldn't you know they have 17 days early in person voting in Georgia? Drop boxes right. in every precinct in Georgia. Uh, voter ID requirements, just like they have in Delaware. Delaware has no early voting. They don't have, you, you need to provide an excuse if you want an absentee ballot. That's not the case with Georgia. Uh, they have none of these things. So why does he go after Georgia, but not Delaware? Well, because he's a partisan now, and, and he is doing great damage to the rule of law and our system of justice. Uh, Merrick Garland, in my judgment, is demonstrated he's a disgrace. Uh, you know, more than 70% of the American public agree that, you know, showing some form of identification when you vote is a good idea. It prevents fraud. That's common sense. It's logic, which is why 36 states have some form of it. 
Uh, but Merrick Garland somehow thinks that you're discriminating against African Americans. And by the way, in Georgia, you don't have to show a driver's license. You don't have to show your Social Security uh, number or the last four digits. You can show a utility bill if you want. Or you can ask for voting identification upon request. That's all you have to do. They actually make it easier in Georgia to vote than many other places in America. It's unbelievable. All right, Greg Jarrett, we appreciate your analysis. Uh, Greg's uh, podcast is called The Brief, and uh, it's a great show he's put together. Thank you for being with us, as always. My pleasure. Thanks, Sean. All right. All right, now we're going to take calls the next half hour, 800-941-SEAN. we got to deal with a little problem on our radio staff here. Katie is scared to death to go on the air. She's the, She screens calls for everybody. Nicest person in the world. And... I've been telling Katie, you got to overcome any fear you have in life. You got to conquer your fears. So I said to Katie, I'm going to put you on once a day, every day until you, until you get over this fear. So, you know, are you okay with that? You know what? I'm over it now. I'm re- <laughs> feeling very brave. <laughs> I think today's just the only day. We don't have to do it anymore. Uh, that is a, no. Why are you fearful of this? What, 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 what I mean, you really said you, you it, it creates panic. Why are you panicked over this? You have a great voice. Well, I mean, there's millions of people listening to you at once. That's that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> Well, why don't you just talk to me? You know, it's like uh, like talking to a friend. I mean, you don't have to think think about how many people are listening. Don't you think it's a good idea for you to conquer this fear? Completely? Sure. I, I think, like I said, I think I, I conquered it right here. No need to <laughs> no, move forward. <laughs> no, you're trying to manipulate me to not do this every day for a month. I would <laughs> never do that to you. Oh, no. And Linda, of course, is taking Katie's side, you know. Boss, why I don't do have any fear, so we air? don't need to talk about me in this segment. I'm good. Oh, we don't need to talk about you. Yeah, you're so shy on the air. You're scared. To oh, yeah. Too. All right, Katie, for the next three weeks, once a day, we're just going to put you on. You know, we'll just, we'll ease you into it, okay? Sure. <laughs> she doesn't sound too willing. Quick break. When we come back, straight to the phones, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, all right, let's go to William is in the great state of Tennessee. Where in Tennessee are you, William? I'm in Jonesboro, Tennessee, Sean, Tennessee's oldest town. Oh, my gosh, good for you. How long you, have you lived there your whole life? I've lived here my entire life, yes, sir. Well, thank you for checking in with us. What's going on? Well, listen, I think that you need to take Hunter Biden to task. Now, and I'm, what I mean to say is I'm, I am a, uh, a working artist. I've been a working artist for 45 years, and I've been a professor and college instructor in studio art for 28. And the only I have no issue with Hunter Biden using art as a way of therapy, as a way to better himself. And if he wants to be an artist, I think that's a great idea. But what he has done and his, his agent has done is they have taken uh, art and they're taking it. It's like a shortcut. They're just trying to uh, get past the whole effort of working art and becoming a great artist. And it's all about instant gratification and it's all about exploitation. Now, I was real impressed with the fact that Linda had talked to you the other day about you creating artwork. Oh my God. I am. Listen to me. I am challenging you. I can, we can do this. I have been teaching people who don't know anything about art for a long, long I am time. The, no, you don't understand. I am like 
the, the least artistic person you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, if you gave me color by numbers, I don't. I'll, I'll screw that up. Sean, listen to I'm me. I'm that so bad. Was Van Gogh. Listen. So was Van Gogh. <laughs> Van Gogh had no talent. He had listen to. He's my favorite artist, but he had no talent. He willed himself to do it. But the difference, the the issue here between you and say Hunter is, is that you have a teachable spirit. You love martial arts. You talk about the discipline of it, about the history of it, about the fundamentals. Did Linda of it. force you into this call, Linda? You did this. No, you listen, absolutely no, set me up here. Absolutely not. I was painting a mural. I'm off for the summer from college. I'm painting a mural. I listen to you every day. Never had inclination to call you because I just enjoy listening to you. But when Linda proposed that, I said that is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I can be able to teach you what you need to do to be able to make competent slash accomplished artwork. And here's the beautiful thing about it, is that the person who will be most affected and most impressed will be yourself. But on top of that, your staff thinks you can do it. I believe you can do it. And we're not talking about a long period of time. But it's well, well, I mean, how long? All right, spirit. so let's go just very quickly. I don't want to spend my, yep. um, the, all, all the call time on this. Okay. I can't paint. I can paint a room. I can do a great job doing that. I like doing that. As a matter of fact, I find it to be fun. I I enjoy doing it. I feel good when the job is done. And I remember, you know, my daughter wanted a room painted. I said, all right, we'll do it together. She lasted about 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden (laughs) the room is done, came out perfectly. And then my family's like, wow, I can't believe it. I'm like, my own family doesn't even know anything about my own life because I I would used to be a house painter. I used to hang wallpaper. I used to lay tile. I used to do framing. I used to do reconstruction. But anyway, uh, so how long will it be before I can make a painting that I wouldn't be humiliated by? Okay, Sean, let me me explain this to you. The way that I have to teach freshmen, not just art majors, but freshmen, every year, every student that goes through the university that I teach at, they have to take an intro to art class with me, every single one of them. And because they're freshmen, they couldn't draw a conclusion much less a line. And I have them for one semester, and at the end of the semester, every single student creates a competent slash accomplished piece of artwork. Parents call me at Christmas time in the summertime saying, I can't believe my child did this. And their paintings mean more to them than their diploma. Now, you have you have experience, you have age to you in the sense that you understand and appreciate discipline and structure and all that you're the perfect student and like i said you have a teachable spirit all right so now all right now how we how would i get this lesson is it like a zoom call thing or because i don't know how to do zoom calls okay well it i listen i had to learn because of the covid virus i had to be able to teach studio art classes and teach to all these kids via zoom it's very simple three weeks one hour a day and let me tell you, oh, this. man, I don't have an hour. I do an hour and a half training every day. All right. Okay, let me tell you this. I'll think about it only if I can make it like a week and I can make a, a photo that I can donate to somebody. If anyone wants to buy it, I, okay. I, I, people, nobody's going to buy it. Oh, I mean, it's going to be listen, humiliating. People will bid John, like 20 listen, cents. And, listen, you know, John, th- 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 listen, that's no, the no, whole no. joke about Hunter. I mean, the crack addict, what portraits of a crack addict? I mean, he's going to get a half a million dollars for a painting. I'm like, maybe I should be a, a painter. I'll teach me how to paint, and I'll paint it and sell well, it for five hundred grand. A, it's not about the money. It's about doing the work. It's about understanding what art is. I can't if paint Hunter, by numbers. 
It doesn't I, matter. You're the listen. You're the perfect student. You're the perfect student. Trust me on this. And it's going to be more than just one painting. You're going to get the first one done, and then you're going to do another one and another. And here's the beautiful thing about it. When you get done, Bill O'Reilly is going to be speechless. When he looks at your artwork, he's going to cry. And the only thing he's going to Bill be able to O'Reilly do is, is not going say, to cry. Trouble. I mean, Linda, you set this whole thing up. <laughs> I know you set this up. You set you know me what? up today. Listen, I, I got to be honest with you. Oh. I did not set this up, you, but I'm loving so, every single you. second of it. Oh, First of all, God. I'm telling you right now, I told Katie, I'm like, I want as many callers as possible to talk to him about his finger painting. Now, this person <laughs> happens to actually be a professional. But in all seriousness, if you did this and we could auction it off and give money to the veterans, right, me, why not? I'll, I'll tell you what I'll agree to. Let me and okay. I'm not and I don't take it the wrong way. And, and William, I have a very hard time relaxing. It's not something that I'm good at or work at. Well, I just don't I don't ever relax. It's hard for me to focus on something that I can't do well immediately. You know, when my my, my sensei is teaching me, uh, especially Japanese jujitsu and and certain holds and certain you know putting people in certain positions, I only have a limited capacity to learn like one thing a day because then I want to just get to sure. what I love to do, which is hitting. I love to hit. I hit the heavy mm-hmm. bag, bare fisted. I hit, you know, he, I hit the mitts. I hit, he has this other thing. I, I like to hit it and get a real strong workout with it. But, and then we do a lot of core. All right, I'm going to give it one shot, but don't be, if you have to promise me, if I don't want to continue, you won't be offended. Hey, listen, I won't be offended, but you're going to have to promise me that you can tell me you were <laughs> wrong when you don't, when you can't stop. Um, okay? Man, and let me just what? say this. All right, all right, all right. I'm only, free. I'm thinking of other people that might benefit. And Linda, if, if, if I don't get, $5,000 for a bid for this painting. You're paying the rest. Let me tell you something. I will pay $5,000 myself just to watch you do it. I'll set up the Zoom. Oh, my gosh. All right. I gotta, we got to move to other callers. Thank you, William. I'm sure we're going to be talking soon. You totally I set me up. we should out. stay with William a little longer. No, no, no. You set me up today. You did this oh, on purpose. Not. No, you know who did this? Who? Do you know who did this? Who? Katie. Katie set Katie? me up? Absolutely. Katie, did you set me up? No, I didn't set you up. I, I, you know what? She totally set you up. No, William was so nice. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I was like, yes, I think you're great. And come on here, talk to Sean. Talk about it. She was enjoying you. She was enjoying listening to you squirm, though. Honestly, uh, no, this is a vast radio show conspiracy that that is working against me. You you, all gave it up on me. All right, I'm, I'm, listen. Christmas bonus time is not far away. I'm going to remember this. Quick break. Right back to the phones. 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right. As we continue, back to our busy phones. James in Pennsylvania, you, sir, are up next. Hi, Sean. Hey, how are you? Hi, Glad Sean. you called. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, my story is basically uh, I had Corona-19 uh, pneumonia. and you, oh, you had COVID Trump. pneumonia. You had COVID. I had COVID pneumonia. That can be rough. You and President Trump saved my life. Uh, wow. Let me explain. I, w- I wound up, went to the emergency ward. I had, I had COVID. Okay. It didn't get better. I wound up going back to the emergency ward. Uh, I go in. My wife drove me. They wouldn't let her in. I'm laying there by myself on oxygen, and the doctor comes in, and he says to me, how would you like me to treat you? Which I thought the question was a little crazy, but 
I knew the answer because you and President Trump told me. I said, I want to be treated like President Trump. I want the plasma and rendezvous. And he said he, to me. The monoclonal uh, cocktails like Regeneron, right? Right, right. right? So he says to me, uh, you can't have it. You're too young. Now, I'm oh 60. God. I was 63 and a half. And that's a lot. That's an absolute lie. I know people All younger right, well, than you that got it. This is what he told me. Okay. So he said, you can't have it. You're too young. And he walked out of the room. Okay. Now I'm laying there on oxygen. Comes back in the room. He says to me, well, what else would you, besides that, how would you like me to treat you? I said, as far as I know, there are no other ways to treat me. You're going to shove a ventilator down my throat when I run out of oxygen. And I'm going to die. That, that's, that would have been the, the likely, your odds would have been very low. You, you had very uh, good right. instincts. Okay. So he walks out of the room. He comes back in a third time with a piece of paper. He says, if you sign this waiver, I'm going to give you what you want. you got to transfer to another hospital because we don't have the plasma. I said, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Do it right away. So they take me to the other hospital. Uh, they admit me. They don't have my blood type. Okay, so the first day I'm in the hospital, this was uh, December 10th. And by the way, at this point now, the pneumonia is getting worse. All right. So now I'm running out of breath. I'm having trouble breathing at this point. You know what your oxygen level was at that moment? uh, I believe it was in the low 80s. Oh, geez. You're you're literally now in ventilator land. I was on my deathbed, Sean. I was on my deathbed. I knew it. I knew it right then and there. So anyway, I signed the paper. They take me to the other hospital. Uh, I'm admitted on December 10th. They don't have my plasma. Okay. He says, we're going to try to get it. Okay. The next day, they have it. They give me the plasma, and I'm getting the Regeneron. And the next day, they come in my room, and they said, well, we've got the virus under control, and we're going to release you. And I'm like, well, what about my breathing? I can't breathe right. Well, it'll come back in two to four weeks. You'll be all right. Oh, my I'm gosh. Like, oh, okay. They're trying to so kill they you. Release, crying out they, loud. they release. Uh, uh, did they you get the Regeneron me. by then? Yeah, I had the Regeneron, and then I got the plasma. As soon as I got the plasma, it stopped the virus, whatever. Let, let me However, tell you the way people have explained it to me. Uh, by the way, thank God. I, and uh, look, I cannot even begin to tell you how many people uh, in New York, for example, you're basic treatment was this if you get a fever take tylenol uh if you can't if your oxygen goes below 90 then go to a hospital that's it they they weren't treating and we've had all these doctors now now we have studies about hydroxychloroquine work ivermectin work regeneron work we weren't using all the all these weapons in our arsenal and i can't tell you linda can confirm this how many cases did we get involved in and get our doctors involved in and we never lost one person and some were in desperate shape including one person that you know who i'm talking about linda that was on a ventilator for 40 days and and we and they they saved this woman's life yeah i mean we had at least 50 close friends and close friends and family i I owe all of these doctors if i started paying for what they did i'd go bankrupt they did it because they love people and they were proactive in medicine not reactive thank god you knew that because i'm going to tell you something seriously james what you're describing to me i'm a layman and i'm not a doctor it sounds to me like you'd be dead 
Oh, I, I was on my deathbed, Sean. I knew I was. If it wasn't for you and President Trump telling me what kind of cocktail to take, I wouldn't have had an answer for that doctor. What do you think I would have gotten? You know, I, I hate, you know, the funny throat. thing is I've gotten a living crap beat out of me by the by the media mob people because I because I talked about treatments, early treatments. Now we have, what, 12 studies that show, yeah, 80 hydroxychloroquine uh, taken early uh, is 84 percent effective in mitigating some of the 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 condition. Ivermectin also reports Regeneron. Uh, Regeneron has been described to me as like liquid gold that immediately once the infusion takes place, you it goes to war with COVID in your body and wins. And from what I've heard, wins almost every time. Anyway, I'm glad you're alive, sir. What a that, that is unbelievable. I owe a debt of gratitude to you and President Trump for giving me the, the, the answer to the doctor when he asked me the question. Well, I. I'm just glad you're alive. I mean, well, I, you could take some credit for that, Sean. Uh, thank God. Well, hang in there. Get well. Keep exercising. You got to get strong. One thing we did learn, people that did the worst with this beyond age, comorbidities, pre-existing conditions, uh, compromised immune system. Also, weight. Everybody's got to try and keep their weight down. Nobody wants to hear it, including me. But I diet regularly. I, I, I make myself do it. I hate it. I'd love to eat everything. Quick break, right back. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information uh, overload hour, 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. So Kamala Harris, after what, 93 days as a border czar, after accumulating all of that information uh, in Guatemala and Mexico, finally makes a trip down to the border. Um... And I'm I'm listening and I'm watching, and I, I you know I I can't believe my own ears. They're actually blaming Donald Trump, the guy that put in place the stay in Mexico policy, the guy that built 500 miles of wall, the guy that ended catch and release, uh, all things that they got the guy that brought the numbers down to the lowest level in decades in terms of illegal immigrants coming into the country. And Kamala Harris is saying, oh, we inherited a tough situation at the border. No, they did not. They made this situation what it is, a crisis that they don't even acknowledge being a crisis. Listen. Our administration, it is important to be clear, is working to build a fair and a functional and a humane immigration system. We feel very strongly about that. And as you know, we inherited a tough situation. Um, in fact, right here in El Paso was the, 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 the launch of the child separation policy. You saw it as it rolled out on the ground in real time. Um, we have looked at a, a, a system where um, people have been housed in inhumane conditions over the last many years. Um, an asylum system that has been broken and that needs to be reconstructed. The inhumane conditions at the border were created by her and Joe. They're the ones that built the the cages for kids, the plastic cages, whatever you want to call them, where in the middle of a pandemic, I remember they tried to keep cameras out of it for a long time. Still never got a camera inside, you know, one of those trailers, you know, with a tiny window with bars on it that had butterflies apparently on the walls. Um, no, they created this crisis. 
we had we were enforcing the law of the land. You're not allowed legally to enter this country without permission. And people are not respecting our borders, our laws, our sovereignty. And they're being facilitated by Joe and Kamala Harris. This is a crisis of their making. They're the ones that ended the the stay in Mexico policy. That ended up being a disaster. They're the ones that stopped building the border wall. They're the ones that brought back a a new version. It's catch and release 2.0, which is basically process and give you a a plane ticket or a bus ticket to the state of your choice. And then the states are, are burdened with, oh, let's see, providing food and shelter, health care, education, and every need of people that have nothing. You know, now governors, they, they don't have the authority to enforce the law of the land either because it's a federal law. So now governors like Governor Abbott, he now has to build his own wall. And he's allocated $250 million to start that process down there. Now, the only reason Kamala went down to the border is because Donald Trump's going to be down there on Wednesday. How do I know? Because I'm going to be there with him, just like I'm going to be with Governor Abbott also on Wednesday. I think this will be my 15th trip to the border, everywhere from the Rio Grande straight on through across the our southern border into San Diego. I've been everywhere. Helicopter, horseback, all-terrain vehicle, foot, boats, you name it. I've been there when gang members are arrested. I've been there when families cross the, the Rio Grande when I'm interviewing Governor Rick Perry at the time. Entering right, literally, within a stone's throw, if you will. It's pretty unbelievable. Now, oh, and we have this Democratic congresswoman from Texas. Veronica Escobar is her name. She's saying, welcome to El Paso, the new Ellis Island, the capital of the border. Listen. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to El Paso. Welcome to my community, to the new Ellis Island, to the capital of the border. I am standing before you with a heart full of gratitude. Not only are they not enforcing the laws, they entice people to come. Kamala Harris promised free health care when she was running for president. Joe said, no, I'm president. You get to come to the border and, 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 and come. I want you to come. And people that we've interviewed and all our investigative reports that we've been doing from the border as this crisis gets worse, because we're now on track. The last three months, there's been more illegal crossings than at any point in the last 25 or 30 years. We're looking at millions of people entering this country this year illegally. And then I'm sure amnesty is at the end of the road, at least in the Democratic Party's mind. So we're rewarding lawbreaking. They're not, you know, Joe said, well, no, we're, we're turning them away. They didn't turn anybody away. How do I know? Because we have our reporters down at the border. All they do is they get processed and then released. And, and if they're unaccompanied minors, they get put in their cages. That Joe keeps building, building out more and more and more cages, one after another, cages, cages, cages. You know, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, anyway, joining us now is Mark Morgan. He's the former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection at the Heritage Foundation, a visiting fellow. Um, you've been looking at this fiasco today. Tell me what you think. Yeah, first, Sean, I want to say that as, as the, your uh, listeners are, are listening to you talk, I, I, I just got to say, Sean, everything you said was just absolutely correct. It was spot on. And, and I do want to thank, look, I, I'm not trying to blow smoke, but I want to thank you personally because 
you have been down to the border multiple times, and you've done something that not everybody does. You've gone to the epicenter. You've gone to the areas where the crisis was actually happening. And what, what our vice president did is, is he intentionally chose to go to a place that's about a 1,000 miles away from the actual epicenter. Where if they really wanted to know what was actually happening on the border, she would have went to the Rio Grande Valley, the RGB area, or McAllen. That is currently the epicenter of Southwest border crisis. Just for you today, they've got a, they're, they're nearing 300,000 apprehensions. Drugs are pouring across. Criminal aliens are pouring across. Gang members are pouring across. If she really wanted the ground truth, that's where she would have gone, Sean. It's like, you know, it's like if, if a state is devastated, you know, by, by, by a tornado, that the vice president president would, would go to the outskirts of the town where no buildings were destroyed rather than go to the heart where, where homes were devastated and talk to the people who actually live in it. No, instead, she goes to El Paso, gets some good, really photo ops. It's all form over substance, uh, Sean. It's just frustrating. It's just a show. Now, it's not going to be a show for us. Well, I'll be doing a show, but it's not a, a, a show. The president, this has been an important issue for him from day one. It's a signature Trump issue. And he sees what's going on down there. He knows that this is that this is all happening because of Joe and Kamala's policies. They're facilitating this. I, I don't know. I mean, the idea that I would ignore certain laws of the land on my own and pick and choose what laws I want to obey. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have a healthy fear that I'd probably end up in jail if I violated any law. I, I frankly think because I'm a conservative, if I jaywalk or spit on the sidewalk, I'll be put in jail for 10 years. I mean, we, that, that, that's just the way our system is. But then they take it a step further. Mark, they, they actually are aiding and abetting and facilitating it. Otherwise, why are they giving them free transportation, free hotels, free everything? Sean, you're absolutely correct. Look, we, we, we said for a long time, because of our broken immigration laws, it, it, it encouraged and, and, and incentivized. Well, well, this administration, we've added a third adjective that you just described. They're actually facilitating they're, they're, they're encouraging, they're incentivizing, and now they're actually facilitating. Our United States government, for the first time, they're actually complicit in completing the human smuggling chain. They're actually complicit in opening up our borders to other threats. We've been saying this a long time. This isn't just about illegal immigration. When you have a policy that open the border to one crisis, one threat, you're opening the borders to all the threats. 200,000 gotaways this year. 200,000, Sean. Look, if you're conservative and just say 10 to 15 percent of those are criminal aliens getting through, that's 20 to 30,000 criminal aliens they are getting through past the border patrol and making their way every, into every town, city, and state. The drugs, Sean, you've done a incredible job. Job, job talking about the drugs they're pouring in this country. You know what stays at the southwest? What happens at the southwest border doesn't stay at the southwest border. If you have a drug overdose, a, a meth overdose in Ohio, that meth came from the southwest border. I'll say one last thing: where you're going, and Sean, uh, I, I may just be joining you to down there next week. But look, where you're going, you're going to McAllen. You're going to the epicenter. The president. Uh, listen, I, I've been at every. I've been at every point. I, I was there where literally gang members got arrested. We didn't know yeah. at the time, but then when they processed them, they got back to us. They were known gang mem members, and I was right there as they got arrested. You know, but then it's the human trafficking. I, I mean, even the sex yep. trafficking that goes on. Ninety percent of America's heroin crosses that border illegally. Now fentanyl, it's killing people. It's crossing that border. By the way, I know you are friends with um, the uh, Customs and Border Patrol, a, a senior yeah. level uh chief named rodney scott 
And apparently he got a letter ordering him to resign or retire or relocate to another position. Uh, why would they do that to a, a guy that has served in honorably for 29 years? Yeah, Sean, so, so first of all, thank you. I, I, I mean that uh, with, with all sincerity. I have. Thank you for, for talking about this, because what you just described is right, Sean. This is a man who for 29 years has served this country as a career official. The chief of the Border Patrol position, a lot of people don't understand this. That's not a political appointee position. You know, folks like my, my, myself and other patriots like Tom Holman, look, we were serving in, uh, in political appointee positions. We knew there was a change administration. We have to move on. But but that's not the you, way it you, works. Uh, career Mark, official. you cannot teach 29 years of experience. You know, that experience right. is, is invaluable. And so who did this? Uh Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, who did this? Absolutely. Absolutely, Sean. And look, you, you, it, it, no cause. They gave him no reason whatsoever. And at the end of the day, Rodney Scott, he's a man of integrity and courage. And since day one, he's been provided them counsel and guidance and pushing back that their policies are, are jeopardizing our national security. And this secretary, Sean, you go, you, sp- you spoke about multiple times. All he wants, he wants to bully career officials into being nothing more than puppets to further their open border policies. Rodney Scott refused to be bullied. He refused to be Puppet. Well, let me ask you this. Is there politics. any legal recourse for him? Because I, I've got to imagine there has to be some. So, it, unfortunately, the system right now, you described it very well. It's called a 3R letter, uh, which yep. is career executives. Unfortunately, uh, they, they have that authority. Resign, now, retire, was, or it, relocate. Yep, 3Rs. Yeah, exactly. You, you got it. You got it. And so on. And now, look, if I was a lawyer, I'd take it on. Because even with that, what they can't do is reassign someone in the name of politics. That is against the law, uh, but, you know, it, it, it'd be a long, hard fight. At the end of the day, I think Rodney's doing the, the right thing. He's keeping his health held high, and he's going to continue to do, I, I think, stay in the fight and do what's rest for the United States Border Patrol. But, look, the, the, so real quick, you can't go to any other federal law enforcement agency, uh, HSI, FBI, DEA. It's never happened, John. It's never happened where a department has reached down to a career-level person at the Border Patrol chief level and removed the person. It has not happened, ever. Oh, man, I I feel sorry for him. Is he coming with you? Well, So there's, the chances are high that I'll see you on Wednesday uh, with President yeah, I, Trump and, and Governor Abbott. And uh, are you going to bring him with you? Bring him with you. Uh, uh, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. I'll talk to him. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Means yeah. a lot. Yeah, bring him. I'd love to meet him. And I want the president to meet him. Because, Absolutely. you know, I'd and I'd like to thank him. This guy served his country for 29 years. And he wouldn't bow down to this this new policy of of not enforcing the law of the land and facilitating law breaking and aiding and abetting. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just really old fashioned. Maybe I, 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 I was brought up to believe that I can't pick and choose which laws I, I want to obey and which laws I refuse to obey. I was, well, I was we'll told that you got to. What's that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't really, I, if you're old-fashioned, so am I. And, and I think the majority of Americans are, are with us. You know, and what they've done by, by, by targeting Rodney Scott, they, they've politicized what, what is otherwise it should be a non-political position. I mean, we're headed down a bad road. And so now with the new administration, what are they going to do? Now they're going to be forced to put their own person in. And, and we're going to be this in perpetual cycle now where career law enforcement officials who should be non-political, who should be doing just what you said, just enforcing the law. It doesn't matter whether Republican or Democrat, you, you enforce the law. 
Um, and, and now they're, they're changing the game as we know it and politicizing and making every position now a political position. It, it, it's disgusting. It's unfortunate. And we got to keep pushing back. All right. I appreciate the update. We really appreciate all that you've done. And please send our best to Rodney as well. OK. I sure will. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN. Toll free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break. Right back. Your calls on the other side. Straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour on this Friday. We'll get to your calls here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I wanted to ask, I invited on the program a former senator, friend of the program, Jim DeMint, um, for a very specific question because he, he knows the Senate rules inside and out and, and how this, what options are available for Republicans in terms of stopping not only SR1 or stopping D.C., Puerto Rico statehood or packing the courts, all these power grab issues, um, how, what, what are the best strategies? Uh, Senator, welcome back. I don't know if you want to be called senator anymore. Maybe view it as an insult. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, Jim is fine, Sean, but uh, thanks for having me on. And, and, and you're right. There is a lot that can be done. And um and really, even though it's not a legislative procedure, the more calls that um, the Democrats get to to back off, the more calls Republicans get to stand strong. Uh, the outside pressure does help right now, particularly trying to buck up Joe Manchin and possibly one or two others, uh, because if they get do away with the 60-vote threshold or what I'm really worried that, about. That means you're talking about eliminating the legislative filibuster. Yeah, and I find a lot of people confuse filibuster with the idea that you're out there speaking on the floor just trying to delay, but there is a 60-vote a rule that you really can't pass a bill in the Senate without 60 votes. They're trying to get rid of that. It has nothing to do with speaking and uh, trying to delay. That's just a procedure that's been in place for a long time, um, which I, I think both parties have supported in the, in the past, although it can be frustrating. By the way, since so they, 2001... Democrats have used the filibuster 806 times, and now they're right. calling it Jim Crow. I'm like, uh, okay, were you practicing Jim Crow era uh, politics uh, 806 times? Yeah, well, they actually changed the, the filibuster rule uh, for judges, and it turned, it turned out it backfired. It helped uh, Trump get some uh, judges on the, on the court that were very, very important. But uh, right now, what we need to do is get the Republicans to stand together. They did on the first vote of this um, you know, co- voter corruption bill that they called uh, H.R. 1 and S.R. 1. So um, what we need now is is to worry about Joe Manchin coming back with some compromise where he says, uh, OK, they fixed it for me and now I can vote for this terrible bill. We just have to be ready to expose every bad part of it. Americans don't know yet that this is really a way to take away the whole constitutional idea of state-controlled elections. Uh, we've got to clean up some things at the state level, and, that's, and a lot of us are working on that. But if the federal government controls the vote and, and does away with voter ID, which over 70 percent of Americans support, um, we're going to lose a lot of what it means to be American. I mean, it's, these are really scary times. Um, I got to tell you, but what you're basically saying is pressure from constituents works and we got to keep our foot on the gas or this power grab will will be successful. I think you're giving some uh, good advice. Uh, By the way, I I understand you just released a book. Um, 
I guess it's a novel. It's called What Satan's Dare. It's on Amazon.com and I guess some bookstores everywhere. What, when did you get into well, writing? I didn't know you were, were doing it's, that. It's a, Sean, it's a defense of um, biblical truth. And all of um, America's ideas, Western civilization, are based on Judeo-Christian ideas that come out of the Bible. And we're not even defending the basic truths. Um, America's declining because the Christian church is declining. And so this is a novel but only because we create characters so people can relate to a lot of the arguments in their own life. And um, so I think it's the most important thing I've ever done. So it's, uh, if, if you don't connect uh, biblical truths with politics, you miss the whole point. And mostly what we deal with in Washington are just symptoms of a declining culture. Uh, wow. Unbelievable. Anyway, it's called uh, Satan's Dare. Author is Jim DeMint. Senator, uh, you are missed uh, greatly, but your insights are, are powerful. We appreciate you clarifying this for our, our audience today. Thank you. Sean, thanks for what you do every day. Couldn't do it without you. Well, I'm trying, man. I'm doing my best. All hands on deck. We need every, every hand as uh, we can possibly have. Uh, Michael is in the great state of Texas. We're going to be in Texas next week with President Trump and with Governor uh, Greg Abbott. Uh, how are you, Michael? Glad you called. I'm, hi, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm at work. Let me step out. I'm at work. Let me step out. What kind of work do you do? I'm working on a Blackhawk at Corpus Christi Army Depot. Oh, awesome. What do you do on Blackhawks? Are you like a mechanic? Yes, sir. I'm an electrician. We're, uh, we're taking the old analog-style helicopters and making them fully digitized for the Army to save about Oh, millions of dollars on each bird. That's oh, awesome. Wow. Those are, by the way, those are beautiful birds too. That is an amazing, amazing piece of equipment. Yeah, they're 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 impressive. Uh, anyway, the purpose of me calling today is this whole voter I thing, Sean, and I don't get it. Like, have you ever tried to file your taxes twice? If you filed your taxes once, you know you're not going to be able to get away with doing it twice. The IRS knows. All right, if you tried to put all the numbers in through. TurboTax and then turn around and do it through H&R Block, they're going to throw a red flag after red flag and tell you, no, you can't do that twice. They're well, you really can revise, for example, like some people get paid by 1099s and, and maybe they overlooked one. I mean, honest mistake, nothing nothing nefarious. Right. Right. Uh, you, you can revise your tax return and, and say, oh, I missed this. I apologize. Boom. They might hit you with a penalty or something. But, I mean, right. that happens quite often. That's, yeah. you know, a, that's regular... That that happens every day. Same thing with driver's licenses. If my driver's license gets suspended in Louisiana, I try to apply for a license in Texas or Mississippi or anywhere else. It's in the national database. Hey, you're you're flagged. You can't get a license to be take mm-hmm. care of this business. Those systems do such a good job at holding each individual American accountable. What do you think How the odds that? are? I'm either paranoid or what do you think the odds are that that my income tax returns, my filings are pulled every year? Oh, shoot. Probably daily. <laughs> what? I'm not sure. Probably daily. I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, I just assume it's pulled every year. I just absolutely assume it. You know, and I talk to my accountants. Now we have two accountants. I got one set of accountants that do the taxes first, and I got another team to to objectively analyze the work to make sure every I is dotted and T is crossed, and we do it the right way. Yeah, and these systems, why can't that same tech be applied to voting? Well, I mean... That's an interesting question. You know, um, I get very, very, the libertarian side of me, I don't like, like, for example, COVID passports or, or fingerprint um, usage in mass. Uh, you know, it just gets too big brothery for me. And, and 
it feels like freedom is going to lose out in the process. So I'm not against, I'm not for those things. But a picture ID to vote, it's simple. Signature verification. You have your signature when you when you register to vote. Put it in a database. Compare it to your signature. Make sure it's the same person. You know, clean up the voting rolls every every election to make sure they're up to date. Uh, partisan observers should be able to observe. Um, you know, these are these are chain of custody controls, so there's integrity with those votes. Those are simple, basic things that now Democrats want to call racist. Right. It's fair. You know, you know who else doesn't like fairness? Cheaters, Sean. People that like to cheat because they can't win if they, if they don't cheat because it's fair. Uh, I appreciate you having me on today. Well, I appreciate you calling. Thanks for checking in, and uh, best of luck to you, my friend, all right? Yes, sir. Uh, be safe down here when you come in. Yeah, thanks Wednesday. for the great job you do. It's important work yes, keeping those guys safe up there. Uh, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, let's go to Lee in Florida. What's up, Lee? How are you? I hope you have room for a new neighbor. I'm thinking about going to Florida. Oh, it's beautiful down here. You'd love it. What part of Florida are you in? Campus, sir. Oh, to be on your let me, can I just say something? Because I didn't get this right yesterday. Have you ever been? It's in the Tampa uh, Clearwater area. There's the this company. Place. It's called Chicken Salad Chick in Pinellas County and uh, and Pasco County. Have you ever heard of it? No, nope, I haven't heard of it. I haven't been over that way in quite a while. And okay. I heard you talking about it yesterday, but I've, I know nothing about it. It's called Chicken Salad Chick. It's in Pinellas and Pasco counties. You got to go. And let me tell you something. I've I've eaten there and I cannot believe it's the tastiest thing I've ever had. And get this, you know, they got all these different flavors. I, I went and I looked because I forgot the names of them. They have that classic one is called Classic Carol. Another is called Fancy Nancy. Another is called Buffalo uh, Barclay, Sassy Scotty, Jalapeno Holly. I mean, they got funny names, all named after women in in the founder's life. And you can't believe, I mean, there's lines out the door at, at, uh, at this, these pl- chicken. It's called Chicken Salad Chick. If you ever get a chance, try it. All right. I'll have to get over there and, and make my way over to check that place out. Hey, I'm calling about uh, Miss Harris going down there to, uh, to the border. Yeah. And uh, personally, you know, I was listening to you yesterday, and uh, it's just a photo op. I mean, I was here in Tampa when... Uh, Barack Obama came in on his uh, bus tour, and he didn't stop in any of the areas that he should have stopped in or talked to the people that he should have talked to. They clear out the area. They make sure every all the bums are off the street, all the homeless are off the street, so he can just drive through and do his handshakes and, and get his picture taken, like uh, Joe Biden getting his ice cream the other day. And and even speaking of Joe Biden, how come uh, everybody wanted to do the Twenty Fifth Amendment on Donald Trump? How come they haven't? They're not pushing the Twenty Fifth Amendment on on Joe. Is it because uh, who they might get stuck with behind him? Uh, you know, you raised a lot of great questions here. Um, I don't think Joe's capable. I mean, we have now witnessed this guy. I think I wouldn't use the word disintegrate. Um, we've seen. I have seen. I have observed. In my opinion. Um, he's in a, he seems to be in a decline even from January to me. Now that's what I'm, look, I'm watching him closely and I'm really beginning to get worried. Now I'm worried mostly because, you know, the media mob won't talk about it. Although they're slightly now the late night comedians, they're beginning to make fun of it. 
And we did have that one Democrat from New York say he gave me this blank stare and it was really strange. And we saw the G7 moment and we saw yesterday. uh, I'm telling you, my biggest fear is Putin sees it. President Xi sees it. The Iranian mullahs see it. Kim Jong-un sees it. Radical Islamic terrorists see it. And seeing a weak, uh, a cognitively weak American president um, probably emboldens them and their nefarious ambitions. I'm worried about it. Yeah, me too. And I, I was wondering, too, if if you invited uh, Ms. Harris to go down there with you and take the trip trip with you that you're going on next week down there in Texas. Let me tell you, the only reason she went down today is because Donald Trump announced he was going down. I mean, he, and by the way, a stroke of genius trolling her on that. It was great. Uh, let's say hi to Jeff is in Chicago. Not exactly America's safest city. How are you, Jeff? Hey, Sean, in answer to your question, the answer is probably yes. I am pretty confident that your tax uh, liability or potential liability is pulled every year. Someone is looking at it and they're wondering, should we call him in? You know, should we? No, I mean, I keep telling everybody, pay, 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 pay everything. Keep it straight. Yeah. So, you know, listen, I mean, I have enough money. The last thing I want to do is end up in jail because they don't like my politics. And I'm like, we got to dot every I and cross every T. I mean, in a few years ago, we started the practice of, of, of bringing in a second accounting group to go over the taxes after they're done to make sure they're done right. Yeah, I don't think that's paranoid at, at all. Um, if I could, if I, especially with, you know, now as part of the infrastructure bill, they included $50 billion for the IRS to go after the average citizen to pay for all the other things that they're looking to present forward. $50 billion to the IRS, that infrastructure bill should have been killed just on that merit alone. So, but yeah, listen, um, I mean, we can't afford what they're, what they're giving us. And I'm telling you, this, this is not going to end well for our kids. And that, that scares the living daylights out of me too. And I'm worried that, you know, I don't want America or as Reagan used to say, freedom is but one generation away from extinction. I don't want it to happen on our watch. I really don't. Anyway, I appreciate you being with us, my friend. Thank you. We're going to do everything we can possibly do. I'll tell you that. We're not going to stop. We're going to we're going to stay on everything every single day, three hours on radio, an hour on TV with your help, because we it's an all hands on deck moment for the country. What's going to happen here is, is going to impact future generations, you know, and a lot of kids deserve better than what's coming their way and the debt we're going to put them on, under. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Um, don't forget, next week we will be down at the border with a town hall with President Trump and Governor Greg Abbott. In other words, do the job that Kamala said she was going to do, and she's only like, you know, 100 miles away from where the real action is. It's ridiculous. Anyway, that's happening next week. Uh, Until then, have a great weekend. Thank you for being with us. You make this show possible, and we'll see you back here on Monday.